Back on the Polygon Gaming series, I'm pleased to be joined by Mona. He's one of the project leads with Ancient Society. They're a play-to-earn strategy game. Uh, we're going to speak about all the exciting things they're up to. A little bit of a collaboration we're doing as well for this project highlight in the... Uh, I don't know if we've done a designated time set week yet. I think we have. It's, it's, I think it's at some point in November, but a lot to look forward to there. But anyways, before we get into all of that, Mona, thank you so much for coming on the podcast this week. Hello, nice to meet you. Thank you for uh, having me here. Absolutely. We, we have, we've had some really great conversations so far with some Polygon gaming projects. Just some really nice insights into what the current status is of the play-to-earn world, how crypto games are reacting to what is the crypto winter, hopefully soon no longer the crypto winter, we'll see. <laughs> but it, just a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of nice thoughts about what the space means, what it means to create play-to-earn or play-and-earn, some of them have described it as, um, and basically how to build a game around this whole entire burgeoning uh, industry. But before we get into that as well, um, Mona, do you mind just quickly giving an introduction about yourself, how you got involved in crypto? Uh, why why you're building out a game such as Ancient Society, what, what drew you to the strategy game, and maybe some of your gaming background in there as well. Sure. So I'm actually Italian, so my real name is Simone. I have been doing um, the like the working around the society for almost one year now. We have been out since April, actually, but we've been working on it like four to five months before the release. And uh, I'm actually a really hardcore gaming Gamer, so I've been working in the gaming industry as a player. I was playing competitive in League of Legends and World of Warcraft. I've played some other games a lot, like Path of Exile. I love the game Minecraft. I've played even too much of it. Metin 2, the old MMORPG game, if you know it. In Italy, it's still a pretty big game. But yeah, so I've been playing a lot of games and I've been working in the marketing industry for the past three years. I've actually left my old job to work, to focus totally on Ancient Society. And I've been involved in um, the crypto industry thanks to my brother. So we've been you know, chatting a bit, he explained to me a few, a few things about the cryptos and I got pretty passionate about it. And uh, yeah, so we've been working on Ancient Society mostly because we felt like a lot of good projects uh, were missing something um, that was like a, a really gaming side of it. Yeah, so there are a lot of very good games that are more like second games than actual games. So we wanted to mix together the Web2 gamers into the Web3 gamers. That's the goal of Ancient Society. It takes obviously a lot of focus because you know the quality of Web2 games uh, is very, very high. So like there is Helden Ring for $60. And if you compare it with $60 in the crypto Web3 gaming uh, industry, isn't uh, there isn't a lot of uh, you know comparison right now, but mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the goal. So to build a very good game that can appeal to both Web2 gamers and Web3 gamers. Yeah, thank you for sharing your background there. And it is interesting seeing you come from the the traditional game background. As you mentioned, you're a professional League of Legends player, which I, I think I think having those insights is going to be important for some of the questions I'm going to ask later on about the, trying to fuse traditional gaming world with the the Web three gaming world. If if you don't mind, could you go into some more detail about what Ancient Society is? some of the inspirations behind the game, maybe some comparisons as well to what you could compare Ancient Society to. Just help give listeners an idea of, of the project that you guys are working on right now. Sure. So the main type of inspiration we have is from Edge of Empire and the Ikarium. So we have played a lot of Ikarium. Yeah, even uh, because it's a very old game, but we've played it a lot. It's a browser game. 
And um, the, the fun fact is that we were playing with like friends, with dead of the friends. So, you know, there is, um, there is a really age gap. I mean, age, um, traditional age to playing Ikarium. So we are aiming to create a similar ecosystem where everyone can play from like 10 years old to 50 years old. And I feel like the strategy game is the best way to go for that. Because even like talking about civilization and age of empire, people are understanding that that's the goal we're aiming for ancient society and they can see some comparison. So um, it's a strategy game based on different types of gameplays because we took the idea of Age of Empire and Icarium and we implemented systems from like Path of Exile, from World of Warcraft. So we have the crafting, we have the profession coming, we have released the bonus system that's like very similar to Path of Exile. And the goal is to actually, you know, implement a lot of new mechanics into an old um, frame of game. Because, like, Age of Empire is old. Yeah, it's a very old game. And even the new releases of it, they're not adding a lot of gameplay. They're more like releasing um, quality of life releases, but keeping the gameplay, the basic gameplay the same. So we want to create uh, a new framework where we have a lot of mechanics from the newest games mix it together with an old uh, like style and feeling you get while playing a job empire yeah it's interesting taking taking the the tried and true approach of some of these games that have held their their bedrock classic mechanics than some of the newer mechanics we are seeing in current day games and i'll tell you i've sunk way too many hours i like to admit in games like civilization mm-hmm. which uh as we all know when you get into that groove and you start playing and you start building up whatever it might be uh, whenever you start building cities or or just colonies clans whatever it, it, it it's addicting <laughs> i mean because you all of a sudden are like okay now i have to get from point a to point b um and i know there's a whole bunch of mechanics in different ways in which games and express ways in which you can potentially make that faster or you have to collect your resources and yeah it is it is very addicting and in terms of looking at it from a from a web three perspective, I think it's a it's a great addition, and I, I think it's a great fit for um, what we could potentially build with things such as NFTs um, and giving people ownership of the items that they have instead of it just being that thing on the screen. Instead, it's like okay, this is its own economy, um, and that, and there, there comes to be a lot of challenges with that as well when you start tying in um, game economy and, and game aspects like that as well. But um, yeah, it, it's it is it is fascinating once again to see how people are adapting games to fit into this Web three model. And could you give everyone an overview now of how you are fitting that uh, the, the Web three aspects into ancient society? So, if I sign in, and I connect my wallet. Um, do I get? Do I have certain NFTs? Am I collecting resource? Like, what is expressed as an NFT? What is expressed as a crypto token? Just give an overview of how you guys are are uniting these two worlds here. Yeah, so we had actually a lot of um, interaction between the, the chain and the game. First of all, the buildings. So each building is an NFT and there is a progression of the levels. So basically, if you have a level one NFT on OpenCU, it's level one. If you upgrade the level through the gameplay, the game will, I mean, OpenCU will reflect the level by uploading the metadata. So you can actually progress your wallet as well, if you can say so, other than your city. And other than it, we have um, some game systems where you can actually create more buildings. So you can call it a breeding system, but it's not really a breeding system because um, we are doing the creation and building of other type of structures by a lot of game theory. So for example, to create a new town hall, for now, you need to have a miner, you need to interact a lot with the mining ecosystem, you need to make a lot of craftings, and then you can have 
one of the, the souls to create a, a building. So, you know, depending on the season, so the last time we did our release on the fishing, so we know we had the fishing ecosystem uh, that was the end game and we created a whole ecosystem behind to create your buildings. Now we have the mining. We have plans to create other seasons and we have, you know, a lot coming for the future. And so this is the, the first part, the buildings and the, the there are the main NFTs, the 721. Then we have the token, the Ansem, which is there 20. And the Ansem can be, you know, produced by your town hall, which is the main building, the hardest to, to upgrade. We have implemented and we are experimenting with other ways. So we have, for example, the lotteries inside the game. You can just gamble your Ansem with other people and you have one winner. We have the challenges, which the first one is starting tomorrow, actually, so the 27. Mm -hmm. I don't know when this video will go live. Yeah, it'll be a few weeks, yeah. but... <laughs> yeah, so the, the first challenge will start on the 27, and um, we have done a lot on it. Basically, it's a closed gameplay for one week or so with a goal. Everyone starts with the same uh, resources. You pay Ancient, so that 20 to join it, to give you know more usage to the token. And then the whole pool of the Ancient that, that is used to join, 50% is burnt and 50% goes to the ladder. So to the leaderboard, like the first 10 people receive a reward in percentage based on the, the initial pool of action. So we are creating different ways to use and to earn the, the ancient token. But yeah, our first type of, um, of concern is to create a valuable game, you know, so something that people likes to play. And then we have the earn type of, uh, of incentive. Because I don't really believe in the fact that, and we've seen this, you know, with a lot of games, if the main concern of the players is to earn, because the game is not fun, so it's not play the game, the project will have a lot of problems. So we want first to create uh, a type of, um, you know, having fun with the game. So just by playing a web 2 game, you're having fun, you will have the same, and you have the same while playing uh, as in society. And then if you want, you have the earn part. You know, we kind of deal with it in a, in a separate way. It's not like uh, you need to earn, that's it. You can play the game and if you want, you can focus on earning a bit, maybe doing other buildings, creating other NFTs, uh, selling their 20, you know, there is a lot you can do here. And I've, I've seen that sentiment reflected in some of the previous conversations as well. When it comes to building out your game, the game should come first when it comes to the play to earn. Like, play to earn. <laughs> it kind of it, it puts it in order for you and, and people need to... Uh, have and keep that focus on the play aspect and make sure if it's not a game people want to play, then the game economy is effectively just going to crumble eventually when yeah. uh, liquidity runs dry. Um, and I won't name names, but like this has been a classic example of what's happened. It's, With a lot of games. Yeah. There's a lot of games. There's a lot of games where you could point this to in the, in the early play to earn boom. Even if, and I think there's one thing too, even if what the earn is isn't going to be you know what people think is gonna be millions of dollars and make them riches forever like even if then if it's just still like incremental it's still something that they're currently building up and buying and earning which i still which i think is is just uh, an interesting way and 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 the earn ownership part it doesn't even mean like you actually have to win just earning actually having ownership is another thing like maybe play to own is another way we could, we could think about this um just the fact that you kind of own these resources you own the in-game items and you can take those out and Get real money with that for that without having to go through some black market, which we've seen with a lot of game economies yeah, out it's, there. It's the main problem with the, with a lot of web two games that one. Mm -hmm. sure. Oh yeah, it's 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 nuts how a lot of them are just they're basically and, and I've said it it's like they're ninety eight percent of the way there. There's two more percent that they just for some reason. Well, I, I, we will get into why they haven't done it yet in a little bit longer from now. But um, 
it's it's just nuts to me that that they've already commodified it in so many ways. They just need that mm-hmm. little more push just to say, okay, <laughs> like you you guys just shut down these black markets and stop trying to act like it's a closed economy. Um, I also I want to ask you about the token there because I know you mentioned that it so you it's 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 acting as an incentive uh, mechanism. It's also you're also burning some of it, which I can see. How how have you guys really mapped out game economy? Because um, what I've seen with a lot of gaming projects, for example, is that either the token is incredibly inflationary and there's like no secondary or third order of, of, of demand. And so ultimately the, the token value declines just because of the fact that, you know, there's more in circulation, liquidity dries up, people, people sell. And there's also the other side of that where um, over time you see more and more whales start to accumulate and they almost like create this super group and then they begin dominating the game economy, which in many ways, like, it still allows a lot of games to function fine. And there's some examples of Web2 games out there where I, I think StarCraft is one of them where you have these like, <laughs> I, I, cartels basically is, is the best way to put it of uh, of whales but how have you guys crafted this and thought about this issue a little bit if, if you have uh, put any and thought behind that yeah so we have actually thought about the this type of problem in the beginning and the idea is that we're not only rewarding people with their 20 but we're giving a long-term usage of their 20 so basically like first of all the the main uh, main topic we need to, to talk about is that all the burn token, so use it in the game, like you use it for the merchant, for the emporium, you use it for the upgrades and so on, the team will not keep it. So as soon as you burn it into the game, we burn it, we will, you know, we, we put it into the bin. That's it. That will never be seen again. Because uh, if the, the team is actually selling that track 20, as always, we've seen with, with the many projects, uh, the token will have problems. Because, you know, if the, the game economy is done correctly, a lot of people will burn it and the team will have a lot of their 20 token. And if the team needs to be paid by that, you know, it's going to be a, a bit of a, of a spiky situation. So, first of all, we have given this knowledge to everyone. So all the token used in the game is burned. Secondly, we have mixed the ancient token into the game economy and the game progression. So if you want to play the game, you will need ancient. You will need the token. For some things you will need, you know, just a bit. For other things you will need a lot. And okay. um, while you're showing game item, that for now we didn't really share a lot about it, but basically we are planning the next big release, which is the PvP. And you will need this ancient dust to have a little a bit of advantage for the PvP. So think like um, of goals in World of Warcraft, where basically in the pre-patch the goals are very important because you can get, you know, specific BOE like the type of uh, equipment that is very rare. And Dance and Dust will be very similar for Ancient Society. So once we release the PvP, if you have a good stack of Dust, you can use it for buying soldiers, for buying upgrades for your soldiers, and so on. And some part of it will be very exclusive. So like if you have a specific threshold of Ancient Dust, you will have access to maybe a special marketplace. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we reward the people who are burning a lot more than others. And um, so yeah, this is like the, the type of, um, of theory we are building. So you get rewarded for holding it, for using it, and in the long term as well. Because we are done for now one mint of the Ancient Lens, which is like the NFT that was only minted through the in-game mechanics. And that was done mainly for the, for the Ancient. We have done a lot of lotteries where you can win the NFTs with the Ancient. We are planning an ecosystem where basically we have a vault with Ancient Society, so we have a bit of NFTs taken by collaborations and so on. And you will have the possibility to get those NFTs uh, by using the Ancient. You know, it's something mm-hmm. we are still planning because it has a lot of um, 
of problems in the in the Netherlands, and we need to solve before releasing it. But basically, by the gameplay and with the Ancient, you will have access to the soul ecosystem, which is like the soul can be traded for NFTs, which are the, the buildings, so Ancient Society NFTs, or other NFTs we have in the vault. So that's the idea behind the, behind the R20. Yeah, what I love about that is you guys are thinking, as I mentioned, in that second and third order of demand, and that is, okay, we have the token, you're going to burn the token, you're going to get some dust, and then not only that, but then the dust is actually useful, and you can then carry on and, and use that to create upgrades or potentially have access to exclusive perks. Um, so there is an incentive mechanism to lower the supply. There's also going to be issuance of the token, but over time, if people are playing the game, it seems like it doesn't really... It seems it doesn't. It's not dependent on like you have to continually grow the user base in order for the game economy to balance itself out. I like that you guys are putting thoughts in here where the game economy is going to be balanced at all times, regardless of whether or not you've like hit a certain exponential growth trend or if you've just if you've kept a solid traditional like player base. Um, and that's the thing, you know, you have to have that long term vision in mind for a lot of games and gameplay. Game popularity is ebb and flow, and you have your hardcore players, the casual players come in. You might have more certain seasons where people will get more involved, and certain seasons. Where people are less involved um but as we've seen with some of the examples in the past of play to earn games it's just the game economy is 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 basically number go up you need to get the more player adoption in order to sustain your economy um which leads to ugly consequences down the line so yeah. i definitely appreciate the architecture that you guys are putting into this here because it is a great question every single play to earn game i've spoken to um either just through the podcast or in the past i've always wondered this question when they have a token is okay we have the token we know some of these issues with with we've seen with some of these game economies uh throughout history whether it's traditional gaming or web3 gaming um what are some of the ways we can solve this? And it, I think it comes down to what you just described there, which is giving it a, a life after uh, burn. <laughs> I guess the best way to yeah. put it, a life after destruction, which uh, I think I, I personally appreciate a ton. And it's interesting for me to hear. Um, well, I, I'm very fascinated by your professional gaming background. And I think that's that's a great aspect of yourself that, um, and a unique aspect of yourself that I think this sector of the space really needs. Um, and that is looking at it through the lens of someone who has been through the most competitive possible. I mean, League of Legends is like one of the most competitive games out there, from what I understand, and especially from a PC gaming standpoint. Um, you know, people get very intense over League of Legends. It's a, it's, <laughs> it's a, yeah, and it's a big, it's a big spectator thing. I know. I have a couple friends. I never personally was, was got too involved into it, but I have a couple mm-hmm. friends who played it and they loved the game. They were like watching all the events, and it was like it was, it was, it's crazy what, what what they've built there. It's a lot like Fortnite, I guess, if people wanted something to compare to. Um, so, yeah, looking at that, then looking at the professional gaming scene, where do you see crypto gaming fitting right now in the broader trend? Um, you know, what are some of the narratives that you are seeing personally that are taking off? Um, and just overall, like, what, what do you think of the health of the space currently is at? Yeah, so I feel like um, the, the Web3, to fit into the Web2 correctly, needs to do some changing because the overall health trend of the Web3 gaming, I feel like it's going well because, you know, you still have more people coming into the space more people from Web2 kind of understanding what the Web3 is about. And I feel like the only thing which is really stopping the Web2 gamers to adopt into Web3 is the type of terms you use and communication. Because, for example, uh, while I was playing World of Warcraft, I had, uh, it was like, you need a lot of golds if you play a competitive way. Like, if you do, for example, 10 Mythic Plus per day, you need 10 consumables per Mythic Plus. 
the, the potion, the food, you know, you have a lot to, to do. And you don't really have time to go pick up herbs and to, to skin animals to get the gods, you know. So I was uh, working, if you can say so, in a uh, gold boosting community. So basically you have people who maybe don't have enough time who pays you. And you do a dungeon with him, you boost him into a dungeon, into a ride, and he gets the gear. So he gets better equipment and you get the gold, you know, it's a fair trade. And we had people into that type of um, gold community who were paying rent with that money. And as you said before, they weren't going through the black market because you don't really can, you, you cannot trade gold for dollars. Right. But there are some people in some website that gives you worse trade than Blizzard, but you can actually get out the, the gold. So for example, you get for 200 gold, $10, $8. And if you do it correctly, you can farm, like we were farming for one dungeon around 500K, I mean 500, yeah, 500K uh, golds that needs to be divided in four people. So you know, we were farming more or less around $8 per hour, if you can say so. It's not a lot, obviously, but I was like 15 years old, 16 years old. It's pretty sweet. It wasn't bad. Yeah, yeah for just bad. gaming and playing the game, it's still not bad. And uh, you, know, you just turn up, you do three dungeons in a day, you have done $20, $20. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like, so that's people, if they could actually understand uh, what Web3 is about, they will be in love with it, 100%. But they have some type of like bad connotation to cryptocurrencies, to NFTs. You know, there are some terms that they don't really like. And, and mm -hmm. this is in all gaming, like we have seen some traction with Epic Games as well, when they have announced that they were implementing a Web3 game into their, like, uh, hold, uh, like their, their games, there was a lot of traction. But I feel like if some Web3, Web2 influencer and some Web2, like, uh, personalities do a great job on the communication, there will be a lot of people joining. Because there isn't any type of dis disadvantage, you know, of Web3 game instead of Web2. Only advantages, I feel like. There are some disadvantages for the companies, obviously. So like Blizzard will need to change their type of revenue stream if they do something similar. So if they change to a Web3 type of, uh, of ownership. But obviously, it's something they can do. Yeah, maybe it will take time, but I feel like in 5 to 10 years, they will be like 90% of the games will be Web3. So you will own what you are playing. Because even like uh, with World of Warcraft, um, I've spent too much time. Yeah, like a lot of time. And I started playing on the launch of Ancient Society because I didn't have time to, to compete. And if I play Wolf, I usually compete. I don't like to run and play it. So I had to stop them. And um, my characters didn't, uh, you know, I didn't have a choice to maybe sell the characters or sell their equipment. I just was, okay, I stopped playing, they're dead. They will disappear in the in this patch. And I really hate that thing, yeah? Or even League of Legends, I had, when I was playing really hard, like three accounts in Diamond 2, Diamond 1. And, you know, other than playing them, I couldn't sell them. Yeah, there is a black market, market on that. You can maybe sell a D1 for $80, $50. But still, you know, if Riot catches you, you will ban. You will ban. So I don't feel like it's the, the correct way to go. Some people do it. Maybe I've done it as well. But I don't really, really like it or love it. And with, with the Web3 ownership, you can do that. And the company is actually encouraging you because maybe they have a little royalty fee on it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I feel like the Web2 and the Web3 will mix, will, will be the same thing in like some years, but we need a good communication and some good games as well. Yeah, 100%. And you look at the, 
you look how frustrating it is, I think, because you put, you put all this time into these assets and you're building up this, whether it's gold, gold farming and just, just trying to basically create these resources and create these characters. Um, and then the patch comes along and the update or whatever, the new, the new season it's all gone and it's, it's worthless now. Um, and yeah, you can't really, you can't really sell it. Like if you try to sell it, you might be going against terms of service. You know, I used to play FIFA ultimate team a lot back in the day, um, which was one of the classic, like you could buy coins online. Right. And, but eventually electronic cars caught on that. Cause we don't want you to do that. We want you to buy our packs. So you, we're going to ban you if we catch you buying coins. Um, it's, it's just annoying. Cause it's like these games, especially if some of them are manipulative. Like I go into the ultimate team model there. I mean, they want you to be buying these packs where you literally have, I mean, $20 in packs is going to get you maybe 10,000 coins per se. When you put $20 into a, a coin buying website, you might get a hundred thousand coins. So like it's a 10 X return for your money. It, it just makes no sense. Um, and I, yeah, it, it's nuts to me how they deal with that. And, and the whole, the whole like black market terms of service violation, your band sort of thing pisses me off there's also you know think of it like world of warcraft too with vitalik um and his his inspiration for ethereum right it all came back to they nerfed his like warlock or something i don't know what it was that's the famous story and he got pissed we made ethereum and I, I always find that to be hilarious but um yeah it's like gaming gaming to me seems like such a natural fit for web three it is the most clear use case outside of outside of playing like bitcoins like sovereign money like like uncensorable money sort of narrative it to me this is like the big big one it's the question how do you express that self and so you mentioned a little bit here about how we should approach traditional gamers with maybe not using traditional terms like nfts maybe using some other terminology in there uh say you had to approach a traditional gamer and and say hey here's ancient society it's a cool game how would you go about that and what is the messaging that you guys want to convey yeah so for sure you need to you know even you could use the, the classic terminology but you need to do a very good part on the communication so we've seen it with the red nfts like two days ago one day ago and you know everything is exploding so people from reddit are actually looking into the nfts and saying okay so my avatar is not a collectible is an nft okay let me understand better what an nft is and they are trying to you know get into the into the world and on the general nft not the gaming one i feel like now there is some very good source of information out there you know some very good podcasts some very good twitter spaces and i feel like something similar you know, it's still building in the Web3 community of the of the gaming, at least. And I feel like in a few months, maybe we will have um, other terms to to explain uh, like uh, what an NFT is uh, in the gaming. But yeah, I feel like, as you said, uh, the Web3 gaming uh, is the easiest way to implement the NFT technology because, you know, people uh, understand the value of an item because people maybe are playing like me with Warcraft for one year. They get a good equipment on a on a on a character they'd like to sell it and they cannot yeah or maybe they, will, they need to sell it for gold that they cannot to trade them for in uh, like for dollars or euros whatever it is and so it, it will be for sure the first thing that will be mass adopted i feel like mm -hmm. in like a, a few months or a few years whatever it is but it will be the the meta for sure and maybe we will see the term nft used or maybe i feel like we will add something more something different and for sure like we, we are not really pushing too much into the Web2 community because, as we said before, I feel like you need to have a complete game before approaching a Web2. 
because like our game, uh, we are building the PVP, which is like the, the last part of the ecosystem of the framework mm -hmm. that we need to then expand it to another level. And once you have a full game, something that people can actually take, play, and have a lot of fun, like a full game, a, a civilization, a Age of Empire, it will be easier to make them understand or maybe make them research what an NFT is. Um, yeah, so I feel like, you know, the step should be to have, first of all, a very good game and then to get a very good uh, type of information sharing you can, like maybe podcasts, uh, maybe some videos or whatever, a wiki, and then you can do the, the Web2 adoption. So you can you know, push with other, with classic YouTubers. And I feel like, you know, some projects tried to do this with the Web2 influencers and they really didn't have a lot of success for this reason, because like their main game was not finished. And people from Web2 wants a finished game. Mm -hmm. Because in the Web2, doesn't exist that you pay for a game which is not completed. Maybe you pay you know, for a, a beta access, but still people will tell you that it's a beta access. In the Web2 gaming community, if you buy into like, you know, a game that's not finished, you will not hear that from them. You will just say, okay, join the game. And then we right. need something else, but they will call yeah. it a game. And the Web2 community is not comfortable with this, I feel like. No, and, and unfinished games are also one of those things that is plaguing the traditional gaming industry. We see it all too often now. A game comes out and, oh, look, we're going to have a patch three weeks later <laughs> that has all the other stuff that should have been coming out on launch day. Um, it's not it's not a great look. Um, you know, I think what was it? I think it was Halo that, that did it. One of the most most more infamous ones in the most recent times, the Halo Infinite launch, which like wasn't a complete game, and I think people were, were quite angry about that one. Um, yeah, and then it, it's oh, it, even it, like the, the DLCs as well. You can fit yeah. them into these, the same type of uh, thing. You know, there are games that releases the the game, which is like twenty percent of the content, and then they sell you five to four, maybe six, 10, whatever it is, part of DLC, so more content. You know, people don't like that. Mm -hmm. I don't like it as well, and I'm a gamer, you know, so I feel like the best way to go is to have a complete game and then release it and then push it. Like what we did for Ansi Society was to have um, a bet of the game ready one month before the mint. We tried the game, we made people try the game. We had like a hundred people, more or less. We had a competition, a challenge in the, in the community. And then after everyone tested the game, we released it. You know, it wasn't really a completed game. It was still a beta, but like in the Web2 community, having a beta is like having a, a finished game in the Web2, you know? So we are trying to be always a step ahead of the of the other Web2 gaming games. And as you mentioned, that a lot of a lot of these games don't admit that it's like it's fine if you're a beta. I mean, look at look at Minecraft, which launched an alpha and people still paid for it. And, and look where it's still it's still kicking a day and it's still incredibly popular as a game. And I played it. I remember playing it back in the beta days. It was crazy, but it was, it was a great. It was a good time. Like it was a good game and people were interested in it. But just they told you it was a beta. It was not a finished product. Anyways, Mona. Wrapping up here, I want to make sure that listeners can get an idea of what comes next. I know you've mentioned the PvP for uh, Ancient Society, uh, but basically just give us the rundown of the short to medium term. What kind of things can people look forward to? Um, I know, you know, PvP is mentioned there, but like any other events, anything coming up in the next few months that people should be aware of for Ancient Society? Yeah, so... Um... There is a lot, yeah, because how we work is actually to, we do a lot on the dev side. So we minted on April and in six months, we did uh, around 16 updates of content. Mm -hmm. you know, so new types of game mechanics, new type of uh, you know, next level uh, mechanics of the already framework, which is in the game. So we're releasing a lot of content. 
We had some short-term um, releases that we will do mostly on, on Omega and we will have one big release on Alpha. What you can expect from Alpha before the PvP is for the challenges. So we want to push the challenges that are almost free, if you can say so. So you need the R20 token to, to buy in. And um, the, type, the way that works is that you can buy the R20 token from anywhere you want. You get into the game, you buy one invitation of the challenge, and then you can try out the game. And you have like the full gameplay squished into 10 days that you need to maybe reach the level maximum on each building. And if you do that and you're the first one, you will have some prize. So we are aiming to do different challenges with different um, like information base. So for example, the one we are starting now, we didn't really share a lot because we prefer to keep uh, everything um, hidden you know, so people can discover things. And I feel like this is the, the good thing about the, the strategy games. You don't have a guide to play Stronghold Crusade. You don't have a guide to play Karim. You need to discover things. You need to try out different strategies. So we didn't. We don't really usually share a lot on the on the systems. But still, this challenge will be. You only have three buildings, the main buildings that you need to up, upgrade to level ten, and then you have the fisherman, which is different from the alpha alpha server. And basically, each time you fish, you receive a token that you can trade for one of the three resources. So you can, you know, get the token and decide where to spend it. Maybe you need more ancient, maybe you need more stone, or maybe you need more wood. And depending on that, you will need to, you know, shift your strategy a bit. So we are even changing the gameplay for the challenges. But I feel like this is going to be the, the short-term focus of the company. For the long-term one, it will be the PvP. And for long-term, I actually talk about like a few months, because we are very split on the dead side. And probably at the start of the 2023, we will be ready with the release we will have the PvP of the arena. So we're building two different PvPs, one that will intertwine with the PvE a lot, so very similar to Icarium, and another that will be a side of the PvE. So like the, the PvP we are about to release in two months, three months maybe, will be standalone. So you can even just play the PvP for free to play. We will have free to play choice as well. And But if you want, and you're playing Alpha or Omega, which has the, the two servers PvE that we have now, you will have advantages in the PvP. So, you know, the gameplay will be very similar to Icarium. You have the soldiers, you can upgrade your soldiers, you can give them uh, the, the tools. You will have a hero, you have potions in the battle. So it's a very strategic gameplay with uh, with based mat, you know, so you just have uh, like attack, uh, HP, speed, and range for each unit. Each unit have different base of those uh, stats. You can upgrade them and so on. And you have, um, I feel like this is the, the fun part, basically you have rules depending on the environment you are fighting with. So for example, in the forest that has a lot of trees, your archers will be less powerful. So maybe all of your ranged units will have minus 20% damage. Or if you, have, if you are in a swamp, you know, it's very hard to walk in, your heavy unit will have minus one speed, which is a lot because speed is like only four, uh, four ranks. So, you know, Depending on the environment, which is rolled randomly each battle, you will need to adopt a different strategy. And this is something not really seen in the strategy games, but what I didn't like about Ikarian, for example, is that the meta was one. You know, so you had, for example, 100, even Clash of Clans is like this. You have 100 spots for units, you get 20 healers, 10 tanks, 40 archers, and whatever, Barbarian, for example. You always do the same thing and you always win. I hate it. I don't like it. Yeah. So what we're doing is that for each battle, you will need to think another strategy because we have three variants 
and they change each time. You know, so you need to maybe put other soldiers, change the order, and so use different potions. And yeah, I feel like the PvP will be a lot bigger than expected in uh, in the release because we don't share a lot of information before the release usually. You know, we like to for people to discover it and to have a lot of surprises. So they're not expecting a lot of the things we are preparing. For example, the potions, I've never talked about it. It's like the first time we talk about it. And uh, we have different things that are hidden and not shared that will be will appear in the first release. Well, that means anyone who's listening here has to has to jump on and discover some of these new... The spicy new, alpha. There you go. That's the spicy <laughs> alpha for today. I thank you for sharing all of that. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to sitting down and playing some ancient society though. And the, once again, these are the dangerous games for me. Cause these are like the games where it's, it's like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, all right, I'll just play for like one hour. And before you know it, time melts away. It's, it's been four hours. Yeah. It's like, Oh, oops. Well, <laughs> there goes my evening. Uh, <laughs> but it's all, it's all in good. Sometimes it's nice to be able to, to, to have that escape in a way. Um, Simona, before we wrap up here, I want to ask you one final question, and this is what we do at the end of every interview. Um, basically, a way for, to get the people to know you a little bit outside of the crypto world. Um, this is going to be a gaming-related question, as this is a gaming series. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to ask you. So the fun fact today is what is your favorite traditional arcade game, or classic arcade game is probably a better way to put it. Oof, okay, so I'm 21 years old. Yeah, so I didn't really play a lot of... Uh, arcade games but we had um, uh, like when I was little uh, in the in an house of near the sea where we were going for the summer in Italy there was like an arcade game of Castlevania which was like I think it was so old because the, it was like old pixels and we used to play it a lot so we had like old coins from our grandparents and like people were eating the pizzas we were just getting <laughs> it and running to play Castlevania so I feel like I need to, to say Castlevania for sure that's awesome and yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not I'm 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 basically in the same age range, and uh, obviously, like arcades are one of those things that are more of a novelty these days than than what they used to be in terms of like a social gathering place. But you know, like things like Pac-Man, I always used to love playing. Even I don't know whenever I had an access to a Pac-Man machine, which I once in a while I would run into them. It was, it was always just a cool experience to. You know, the whole arcades did seem like a cool thing. I wish I wish we had a little I, more. What of that. we loved about this was like that you had the, instead of the classic controller. You had like a gun, and uh, uh, you had to point on the screen, like in the shoot, you know, like and you had two people. So yeah, we had like we were me and my brother, you know, pushing each other because you were okay, and we shoot <laughs> on the left, you, you know, so eating each other, pushing each other. It was so fun. That's it was fantastic. Cool. That is very cool. I want to thank you so much for your time today, Simona. Just so much cool stuff going on here. Um, for those listening or watching, we're also going to be doing an AMA on the week that this comes out. So definitely pay attention to there. But before we wrap up, final final question. Uh, where should people go to learn more about Ancient Society, get involved, get involved with the game? Uh, yeah, where, basically, where, what's the best place to send listeners? Yeah, I feel like if you go on Twitter, you will find all uh, the links to do that. And we have a very active community. And if you join the Discord, you will for sure have someone explain to you, you know, the little gimmicks. And if you join a guild, there is a lot of documentation based on uh, on the game, so like uh, docs, uh, excels based on the strategy, the best way to go, and so on. So I feel like you need for sure to, to check the Discord and the Twitter, like the best way to get information about the sense of society. Fantastic. And all those links will be down below. So just go down there and I'll get you in the right place. Once again, Mona, really enjoyed the conversation. It's been so much fun speaking to all these gaming projects, and uh, I'm looking forward to continuing the collaborations and events with Ancient Society. So we'll have to keep the conversation going. For sure. I had a lot of fun. Thank you very much for having me here.